Hello, welcome to Jesus TV, and the program is called Jesus in This Mess, where we learn more and more about how we can find Jesus even in the messy times of our lives. And we've got a real mess going on <laughs> in 2023 globally, but I guess the world's always been like that. And so um, we are without our artist, uh, designated artist, Emily Powell, who stepped away um, to work on other projects with Jesus. So we hope she returns, but we leave that between her and Jesus and um, wish her well um, on her vacation. We all get to take vacations from different things. And so that's the parable of the vacation that I'll introduce the topic to. Uh, Jesus gives me these different parables. So most people are familiar with biblical parables. When you use that term parable, oftentimes your mind rivets to scriptural, but the truth is our lives are a living parable. We, um, the Jesus does nothing but teach by parable. There's actually a scripture. I'll let you look it up and Google it. But, um, we learn symbolically, uh, sociologists would call it symbolic interactionism. Um, but that's really the only way we can comprehend reality is we have to create some, uh, we could call them placeholders, symbolic, uh, understandings, um, including language and um, the things that are around us, assigning them name, assigning them meaning. And it's very pliable, flexible, messy, actually, to tie into our theme, Jesus in this mess. But Jesus, um, as I get closer to him, he will give me more and more parables to process life by um, understanding stories. And that's another way you can understand it. Jesus talks in stories. And sometimes the best stories he'll do is he will give you experience. That's the most impactful way in which, so you'll actually have an actual, your own story. Um, maybe it's an approximation of somebody else. So I was just like Job. And now it's superseded Job because you're like, <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't exactly like Job, but here's what happened to me. So the va vacation um, parable came when I have a friend who has uh, mental health problems. Uh, he's bipolar. And he, uh, my interaction with him kind of dropped off. Um, and I said, oh, you, you must be on a vacation. And I said, now, not all vacations are good vacations. Um, most people who've been on vacations go, Sometimes it's called the vacation from hell. And so you you get your ticket and you're going to go on this cruise and, and you anticipate it's going to be wonderful because you saw the brochures and you saw they've got a pool, a pool that they actually overestimated how big that pool was. Um, and so when you actually get on that boat, you realize, oh, yeah, right. What are 800 people going to do with the pool? The pool always seems full and we're the good-looking people because the in the brochure, it showed good-looking people. I mean, I'm not good-looking, but I was just hoping to look at some good-looking people, but it's just a bunch of slobs like me. And and I, the number of people is making me worried. Is that pool clean? And so you're like, 
oh, okay, well, let's just make the best of it. Well, it turns out when you get there, the pool's not even in order. They say, oh, yeah, so um, we had some difficulties. We're sorry. We're going to apologize to you. And the pool's not even available. And then uh, they showed you the room. And that also seemed to be overly estimated in the pictures. You're like, whoa, that's pretty big. But whatever they can do with the camera. And they didn't tell you that the adjoining cabins are some young people who love to party all night long and then sleep all day long. You're like, well, I, I like to sleep at night. Um, and so um, when you bring that up to the helpers, they don't have, they say, hey, I'm sorry. Um, we, we've told them to quiet it down and you don't drink. Um, and so the thing that seems like you can do on this vacation is um, if you're on that boat is you can, you can drink. Um, and, um, if you're not a drinker, then, uh, anyhow, I don't have to keep painting a dark picture of this vacation. Uh, that doesn't sound like a good cruise, but you decide, well, let's take some pictures because we want to show the family because they were like hopeful for us. So let's get off the boat. Um, and cause we don't gamble, we don't drink. Um, we went on the wrong cruise. We should have went on that religious cruise, but we thought, oh, a bunch of religious nuts. But <laughs> I'm telling you what, uh, I'd rather have religious nuts than people staying up, banging on the wall. Oh, I'm sorry. Got the wrong place and drunk and, and, um, and everything's about gambling and, and, you know, their entertainment. Oh yeah. Um, our, our sous chef, you finally like, well, at least the food was good. Uh-uh. Because they, the sous chef was so good that they promoted him to a different ship. And now you're left with the assistant cook who wasn't very good. And so the food was nasty. So that's what's called after many delays, getting back and flights and spending more money than you want. That would be called a vacation. You went on a vacation from hell. Or in other words, a difficult vacation to make it less hyperbole. Yes, it was a difficult vacation. You want to do that again? No, no, I don't. And so my friend who was having bipolar, sometimes if you're bipolar, you will have seasons in your life. They could last for a couple of weeks. They could last for a couple of months. And you're on a vacation, whether you know it or not, with Jesus. Um, and it is a depressive vacation. And so using this parable, I was, Jesus was using that, um, and my friend liked the parable, <laughs> and like, oh yeah, looking at it as a vacation. Uh, you came back from vacation. Okay, how was it? Um, and I told him um, that um, when you're bipolar, you need to plan on these vacations. Oh, I'm going on vacation. I, I can feel it coming on, and you need to um, prepare so like, okay, so the next time I'm on, on one of these vacations, uh, we need to bring movies and we need to bring headphones. We need to bring white noise because uh, we're going to be stuck on this. Somehow, this is not a vacation we have a choice in. And so then you prepare. And I call this uh, fortifying yourself in the love of Jesus Christ, finding the things that you love and building a bubble around yourself. So you're like, okay, this is kind of unavoidable, but um, we can make the, make it better. And so over time, 
um, with practice, you can learn to take these vacations. They may never be comfortable if they're like a depressive vacation, um, but you can make them more comfortable. And that's what I'm speaking of, of course, is um, a vacation that we're on. So we're all on, to use the parable, we're on a vacation from heaven. <laughs> and for some people, like, this is vacation into hell. And there's a lot of people who feel like that. Maybe not all the time, because even a vacation from hell, you can say, um, they finally fixed the food. They found something that I like, um, something that was vegan or something, you know. And so halfway through the trip, food did get better because um, I kept complaining. And so that was good. And they really did have some good things. And so you you make the best of it and you make some adjustments. And that's... Um, there's there you've been introduced to the vacation uh parable there's other vacations that are just delightful uh things you plan and they turn out like you want them to um so there's periods in our lives where we vacate we leave whatever it is we're doing uh and we go to a different place um and it could be that we're going there emotionally or we're actually going there physically or both and um, so I'll leave it with there. You can see the parable for our lives upon the earth that we are we're on a vacation and there's certain things that maybe we thought life would turn out a certain way that the pool's not as big. In fact, it's not even working. I tried the pool. Every time I go in there, I get dunked, I get bullied. Um, I'm not gonna do the pool anymore. Um, I'm not going to share my opinion anymore. People don't like me. And, and life is hard. Um, but like a vacation, a vacation from hell or a good vacation, um, I've become convinced, and Jesus um, has it as be, being part of my mission, help people um, fortify themselves to get ready for um, difficult vacation. Um, and that's what he helps me do. Um, to make the best of a difficult situation. So there's there's the um, the parable, Jonathan. I want your th your thoughts on it, but it, it does fit Jesus in this mess. Uh, it's speaking of a parable of a, a messy vacation um, and trying to make the best of it. Yeah, um, you know it's it's a good. Um, uh, Terrible, I think. I um, had a couple of thoughts of um, about vacations as you were saying that. I um, I find myself thinking about, like, I think life is like a, a vacation, right? They're always yeah. saying, you know, heaven's home, and we're all away from home. And... Um, I've listened to a bunch of near-death experiences, and they say that when they get back, they realize that they're home. And I kind of get that. Like, it's actually a comfort to know that there is a home because this life so does not feel like home. Um, and I've got to open it from the other side. And so um, there's this idea that um, and kind of while we're away, right? Like while we're in life, come here, Joey. Um, while we're in life, 
um, it kind of is like a vacation to hell. Um, I knew there's a quote by somebody who said, I don't expect to see any hell that's more of a hell than this life is hell. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, there's the idea of reincarnation, like, well, what if we're born again and again? And, um, and it's like, um, so that's kind of interesting because that's an idea of like, of hell, you know, it's like the Groundhog Day hell. You know, ever yeah. seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, no, you're not going to go to hell. You're just going to come back and keep living the same life over and over and over and over, you know, until you figure out a way to have a different life. Well, that almost sounds worse than hell in a sense. Um, so if they're right about that, well, and interestingly, in the Eastern philosophies, they've got this idea that um, their idea of heaven is to escape that cycle. You know, their idea is to, you know, it's like, well, they're not really looking at like, okay, well, we're going to go to the other side and be in, in heaven, be back home. They're thinking, okay, well, you know, we're all just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the way to escape it, and interestingly, it's kind of a, a cool concept because it's like, okay, well, the way to escape it is not to die. They have this knowledge that dying's not going to fix it. You know, it's like, that's not going to fix anything. And so they have this idea that, you know, they they have this mentor who to them is, well, not all Eastern, but, you know, the Buddhists have the Buddha. And he, the idea is it's like he found while he was in life, he found heaven. Wasn't that life changed, something inside of him changed. And they had this kind of knowledge. It's like, well, if you could find that, maybe maybe you could stop this endless cycle of just coming back and doing the same thing over and over again. So that was one idea that went through my mind. Actually, the idea was just that this life is kind of its own hell, but it can also be heaven, right? So it's like you can have a heaven on earth, but it all has to do with the way that you... You know, it's like you're talking about that cruise. It's like, well, would it have to be that bad? You know, could you? Um, and I kind of wonder if the idea, the reason why vacations go bad is because we have the idea that it's going to be different than normal life. It's like, but what if life were your vacation and vacation was your life? So then um, I had this other thought that came to my mind about vacations. What was it? Um Vacations, um, oh, vacations from righteousness, vacations from being good. So, um, yeah, this, this one we'll see. It's like I'm almost hesitant to talk about this one over the air, but I guess we talk about everything. Um, I think partially because what, what spurned it for me was... Uh, I thought I had the last couple of days because I watched a little clip from one of the general authorities, of the church from which you and I both come from. You're still a member. I'm not really. Um, 
but I am. <laughs> I am at heart, I guess, in some ways. But, but, um, so, um, oh, it's really funny. It feels like our knowledge and understanding of the way that the eternities work needs an update because it seems like right now it's like there's the good people quote unquote and the good people believe that everybody should be good and that if they're not good they're bad and that's not always the case it's like they and they have this idea that temptation is the same for everybody so like um you know like well i was a young man and i was able to control myself and you know, and be chased and this and that and the other thing. And, and, um, so they assume that everybody's temptation comes with the same force. It's like, and what I notice about a lot of these people is that they, um, they kind of just like got the parental and genetic jack, they hit the parental and genetic jackpot. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's like, you know, they had good parents, they had a good upbringing, they had good, all these things like lined up so that it's like, you know, and so, um, but some people are having a vacation from righteousness. It's like some people decided to come down here to this life and not hit the genetic jackpot, not hit the parental jackpot, come down here and have everything be way harder than it is you know, and the whole message from what I can tell of the religious is be good. Just be good. You know, and I'm, I consider myself religious, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's, it's a little bit disturbing to me. And I, 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 um, and I, I can see how terribly it dis discouraging it must be to those who came to this life um and did not opt in for the parental jackpot for the genetic jackpot who for them you know doing all the right things is is pretty much impossible it's it's like it's like they are they are going completely uphill the whole way just a second i gotta i'm gonna Tune out for a couple seconds here. Just a second. That's fine. All right, I'm back. So, yeah, so I think that's, um, I find myself just wondering, like, I, I wasn't, I don't want to mention, like, I, I hate, I guess I am already, you know, as I mentioned, our own, our own upbringing, it's like, I, and the, the group of people that we're a part of, we've, we're raised a part of, at least me anyways. Um, uh, and on the one hand, it's like, I think it's really good. But on the other hand, it's like, wow. It's like, are we really going to believe that every 
ecclesiastical leader in our organization has been flawless. The, the little talk I saw was about chastity. And I thought to myself, really? Like there is not a single general authority who has ever had a problem with sexual um, uh, I don't want to say um, what's the word for it? It's impropriety. Really? Really? So there's not a single one who's willing to at some point say, hey, yeah, I had a problem with this, and this is what I learned. And it's like it's like I was I was just trying to process it. It was like, <laughs> like yeah, that's right. The lack nobody, of yeah, well, it, it, not it's, a single bishop, and, not a single no. state president, not a well, single seventy, whoever, like had a problem. And it, it's like, and and we're gonna say, and one, 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 the general authority that was speaking is my favorite general authority, <laughs> and. You know, and he said, you know, and if somebody, you know, slips in that the, up and he says, you know, if somebody slips up in this, well, then shame on them and shame on me for not teaching them, for not teaching well enough. It's like, really, that's your only, that's the only thing that the church can say is do what's right. And if you don't, shame on you. Really? That's the whole entirety of the message about chastity. It's like, what does that do for the person who is, is up to their ears in it? You know, it's like who inherited the sins of their fathers. And, and, you know, it's like, sorry, I'm going on and on. Well, about okay. it, but it was like, it was just like, I was just kind of flabbergasted. It's like some people come to this life, and I think that some people chose to come to certain families, certain situations, because they wanted to have a vacation from righteousness. And when you say, well, why would somebody want to do that? I think so that they could be like Jesus, because Jesus has compassion. It says that he became sin for us. It's like... It's like, I don't think we even uncomprehend what he he experienced. And I think there are some other people who it's like, you know, and and you say, well, they ought to get right. Yes, they should. You know, and it's like, and Jesus can help them. But it's like, um, well, it, it also made me really wonder. It's like, it's like, how does it begin that it's like you begin to have like a, a secret kind of combination or secret society and it's like and i'm not i'm not i'm not one of those people that says oh the church is all these devils it's, i don't believe that i think it's like good people there's good people who've always done what's right and can't imagine or understand why somebody would have a hard time doing what's right and then you have people who who want to be in those positions and who are unwilling to admit you know it's like it's like you know it's like so you end up with a whole organization with hundreds and thousands of people, none of which are willing to admit, I had a problem with this. That doesn't seem good or, or, or healthy in a sense. It's like, it's like, it's like, I think it, it, now what I'm saying is I'm not saying that it's like, there's no hope, but I'm saying, man, I think something needs to change. 
You, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like, you can have, you can even like, you're talking about, you know, the one true church. It's like, well, a lot of people say the one true church, but if, you know, it's like, it was like, you know, even if you have a degree of truth in your church, doesn't mean that some things in the culture can't change. And if there's anything that needs to change, it's like, I don't know, this, this seems like something it's like, and I don't think I even fully realized it till I watched this little clip the other night and it just so flowergasted me. It was like, it's like, wow, if anything needs to change like this thing, like, well, and I'll just say this last thing. Sorry to take so long. No problem. It was in, in Jacob five, you know, it talks about how, um, Oh, when the, the master comes the last time and he's like, he says, all the fruit are corrupt, all the fruit are corrupt. And, and, um, and the servant and him are talking. And one of them says like, well, and what was it that brought this? And there's like this dawning, this realization. He says, is it not because of the loftiness of the branches? And it's like, Wow. Yeah. It's like, if anything's going to bring corrupt fruit, I wonder if it's our loftiness, all of us, not, not, I'm, I'm not pointing a finger. It's like, it's like, if, if I, you know, if I still have any corrupt fruit in me, for sure, I, it's probably because I'm not meek and lowly, you know, it's like, um, so it's, uh, yeah. Forgive me, anybody who's listening, who, who may struggle with that. I'm not, I'm not trying to find fault or, you know, it's like, um, but it's something that I wonder if needs to be talked about. So anyways, I'll pass it back. Well, yeah, that's what we talk about Jesus in this mess. So it's something that I've pondered for years and years and years. Um, and part of the resolve for me has been to understand <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the nature of, and, and the limitations of formal organizations. Um, and so I sometimes I'll compare like the church to um, public school. And, um, and and that's a good comparison. I wouldn't compare the church to homeschool, although there's kind of been a trend towards emphasis on home church, but there's always been an emphasis on home church. The church operates more like an organization that's formal like, you know, um, there's rules for um, who's in, who's out. Uh, these are the steps, you know. And then it operates like schools informally as well, um, where the expectation is that you're here trying to do the best you can. And we're going to try to emphasize you getting an A um, rather than come in and go, you know what? Hey, it doesn't matter if I get an A or a D. I'm mean, going to get D's in all my classes and, and I'll still get the same degree as everybody. I just want it to be easier. So I'm going to do that. And so teachers be like, oh, well, huh, um, I see why you're doing that stuff, but you ought to at least shoot for a B. And so the encouragement is always up. And one can argue even strongly and, and rightly having high expectations for people is an important thing but in so doing you do leave some people who 
yeah, like you say, didn't win the lottery. And they're just like, I'm trying. And I try and I try and I get at best C's. Oh, well, you have learning difficulties, um, sweetie. Um, we didn't recognize those before. We would just kind of promote people and say, oh, it's a mystery. I don't know why these kids are such idiots. We don't call them idiots anymore. We say that's a learning difficulty. So we've learned over time to respond differently to people who can progress differently. Um, and But we're not writing any manuals for how to make high school easier by getting C's. No, we don't, we don't want to encourage people to float. We want them to really strive. And so there's these tensions um, and they're oppositional tensions. Um, if not so, my firstborn in the wilderness, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness nor holiness. And so God himself um, comes down to earth and says, oh yeah, that's what you guys are learning. Um, that you you shouldn't um, uh, um, uh, commit adultery. Well, I'll tell you what, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> well, your, your expectations are so high. Tell me you've never committed adultery. I've never committed adultery. Tell me you've never had dirty thoughts. I've never had dirty thoughts. Well, what are you? Some kind of freak? No, I'm a God. Um, and only gods can actually do what I just did. Uh, oh, but then why are you telling us mortals to do what only gods can do? I want to have high expectations. I want you to be perfect. Um, okay, so that's all there is. No, that's not all there is. Look who I'm hanging around with. You're hanging around with a bunch of sinners, broken people. Yeah, I got two messages going on here. Which one do you need to hear? <laughs> and so it, it is um, never to be resolved very well, um, especially by organizations who are run by humans who, compared to Jesus, they're in kindergarten. All of us are, like little kids. So we assumed, like, well, there's adults in the room. Don't they know it would be more handy for, for them to be transparent, even in their own weakness? They know that but they don't know how to integrate that with formal institutions and not um, do some damage. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you about my sins. Okay. Jonathan, you want to know about them? I'll tell you about them. Well, they do. So they know at a risk of alienating some other people. Oh my goodness. I'm never going to follow a guy like that. <laughs> You're like, um, yeah, but you do stuff like that. I know, but that's why he's a leader. That's why Jesus was a leader, because he didn't do stuff like that. Oh, my goodness. And you're like, oh, you're like a little kindergartner that thinks everybody, every leader has to be perfect. Well, they should be, at least striving. And there's no way they should ever go that low that they would do that thing or, or act that way. And so um, formal institutions like schools aren't aren't promoting homeschool even though that's a good option and like if you're getting bullied in the school because schools will admit but not publicly they won't admit we tolerate some bullying what they do otherwise they can shut it down just put cameras in everywhere uh, in every class and basically zero tolerance policy we'll run the tapes you don't have to tell us just tell us if you've been bullied we'll run the tapes and then that person's never coming back to the school again Bullying would go zero, would go to zero. The schools were like, yeah, but it would turn into some kind of, well, 
right. So you're okay with bullying? Well, no. Well, then why aren't you doing the cameras? Okay, so there's a there's a trade-off. We want to have personal freedom. Yeah, right. And you don't want to have to be so harsh to just rip out all these kids who are little kids trying to find their way. And yes, sometimes they'll bully. Sometimes they'll be mean, just like a brother or sister is. This goes on in families. So you don't want schools to become like regimented prisons where every scrap of evidence is being sought. And now the kid has tremendous pressure. He has a bad family. He wants the kind of bully, but um, as soon as he bullies, he's out. And what's what's left um, for him? And so these um, complexities um, are not just felt by schools who allow bullying. I, I used to teach bullying. That's what I tell them. It's kind of like eye-opening for people like, no, you guys allow bullying. But they would never admit that. You can't have that as your policy. We allow bullying. Because Greg can tell you how to get rid of all bullying. Like, I could bring it down to near zero um, real quick. Because we just remove all the offenders. And there's no bullying. And it's a it's a happy place. Um, but um, uh, institutions have to balance these things. But when they balance them, oftentimes they don't do it transparently and say, Here's what we're doing. Yeah, we do allow bullying in the sense that Greg's talking about. Uh, we don't like to frame it like that, just like we're racist. And we don't want to say we're racist because those those are pejorative terms. And so what we'd rather say is we, we have to strike a balance between being, you know, human and, and allowing certain uh, deviances, uh, because not all these kids grew up in homes where you solve conflict in peaceful ways and and they can't help themselves honestly so they're going to do a little bullying so i know everybody wants to be protected from bullying but um you know um sometimes there will be kids doing mean things you know we can probably make sure there's no out and out fights or even hitting but we can't police the all this different things because you can look at people you can bully people in so such subtle ways and yes, we could get that on camera, but once again, uh, we have to decide what the parameters of our formal organization are. And then we have to let you make the choice. That's why we have this pamphlet that says why you might want to homeschool rather than put your school, your kids in school. Um, and um, you know, we do it at our own risk because if we don't have your kid in our school, we're gonna lose money. And that is a consideration for our school district. If everybody's homeschooling, guess what? We don't have enough money to even run a school. So this is why we're, we're hesitant to share this pamphlet because it actually affects our bottom line. This would be like some computer company saying, you don't have to buy our, we have an equal computer um, that you can buy from our competitor um, and, and we won't get your money and we'll be out of business. And so there's these forces um, that I'm just describing um, lightly upon Jonathan, um, not as an apologist for the church per se, but just as understanding. Um, I understand why you guys aren't fully transparent. You're not called to be. Apparently, Jesus doesn't want you to be. That's how I resolve it finally in Christ. Like, but will I be surprised, Jonathan, if in a hundred years from now that your complaints are actually met, that the people who are called to lead the church, Jesus leads them to a much more transparent, much more robust um, 
way in which um, they interact and share. Yes, I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. I'd like, oh, 100 years from now, oh, here's how we used to do it. We used to tell people things, but, but we didn't share like you do in Alcoholics Anonymous. You stand up. Yeah, you're a leader, but you say, hi, my name's Greg Muller and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and you start with that base. Um, and, and then you describe it. Greg, tell us about that. Yeah, I used to do this. I used to do that. Will I be surprised if 100 years from now, some of the best religious leaders do that? No, I won't be surprised. But I don't think maybe we're not even advanced enough culturally to ha handle that without it having collateral damage. Oh, I wasn't prepared to hear that. That made me go on a binge. Oh, if, if my leader's like that, I guess it's okay for me to go there too. So I don't know, Jonathan. I have different opinions about that. But I'm um, <laughs> here's the thing Jesus told me. Greg, you're a kindergartner. Your ideas are pretty low. Um, so let me um, guide my church and I will refine it just so like I'll, I'll refine you. But he's okay with me sharing my opinions as a human. So I'm transparent and that's what Jonathan is being. Jonathan is sharing something that a lot of church members would, would agree and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, you had loftiness, yeah. And, and they would agree. But they're not going to share that. They would agree, but they would not put. They they would not come on camera and say they agree. Jonathan, even himself, he, he's a risk taker like I am. Um, yeah, he he kind of hesitated. Well, you know, I kind of hesitate. I, you know, people are going to view me, right? And so I'm telling you what. There's a lot of people that say I agree, but I can't go there. I can't, and that's because. We don't live in a culture that encourages, no, tell us really what's on your mind. It's like, can we just go along, get along? You can do that in private, but don't, don't, don't do that on, on publicly where it's recorded, where people can share it. You could do a lot of damage. And so you have these opinions like, let's play it really safe. But then Jonathan's point starts by playing it safe. You leave a lot of people just struggling like crazy. They think they're just bad, bad, bad people. And Jesus doesn't. So you're, you're drifting far away from some of the intent of Jesus. I know, but for, um, in the words of Jesus, suffer it to be so for now. In other words, yeah, a hundred years from now, this will be cleaned up. <laughs> but you live, unfortunately, you know, if you lived 200 years ago, I'm sorry, you were perfectly right. Women ought to be able to vote, but just suffer it just be quiet. Or if you're called to a special calling called women's suffrage, don't be quiet. God will say, sure, most other women need to be quiet because it'll just ruffle feathers. Their husbands will want to divorce them. But certain women, God bless them, 200 years ago, opening their mouth and going, we ought to have the right to vote. Now, just like 2023, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was stupid what we were doing. But we understand like, oh, yeah, they had their culture. And that's the nature of if you're going to think beyond where you are, what's normal, you're not alone, but you're alone in expressing it. There's a lot of people like, no, that's not right how we've treated women 200 years ago, but mm, you're going to stay alone. And, and even the people who agree with you, just like, well, shut up. You're, you're ruffling feathers. You're doing some damage. And that's civil rights. You choose any movement you want where it was moving like Jesus beyond where people wanted to go. Uh, you've heard it said by them of old, but I say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm in the Sabbath to kill you is what the, the leaders of that day say. 
you know, go ahead and share your opinion, but I'm going to do everything I can to shut you down. And that is a culture that's still with us. <laughs> so um, we, we go forward with fear and trembling. And um, I'm not trembling much because I try to, Jesus has been training me to be civilly, meaning kindly disobedient. So people can change the channel. Jonathan and I aren't sticking ourselves in a church and sharing these ideas. No, you're watching this because you've, you've, you've decided not to push stop or close on an episode. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. So um, I, uh, I think that um, I think that it's there's an idea of there's the song truth is marching. Um, what's that song? Glory hallelujah. Glory glory hallelujah. Yeah. This is truth is marching, truth, truth is, is marching. marching. Yep. And so um, there's this idea that, um, you know, a lot of people have the the idea of like, like looking back. We got to go back to what there was before. And it's like, um, that's only partially right. It's yes. So there's good things to be kept from the past. But just like you mentioned, like, it's like, okay, well, do we really need to have slavery? You know, it's like, well, no, not even you know, a lot of the founding fathers wanted to keep it. So um, it needed to go. So I actually, I, 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 that's, that's a good resolution for me too. Um, um, I think that's part of why I hesitated to bring it up. And yet I wanted to bring it up when I was thinking about it last night, I was like, mm, am I going to talk about this on Jesus on this? Because <laughs> this is kind of messy. Exactly. You know? It is. I, I, I also was kind of in a position of like, well, what do you really think about it? What do you really feel about it, Jonathan? And it was like, I don't quite know. You know, the feeling is like kind of a feeling like when someone throws cold water on you, you know, like, oh, oh my gosh. It was like when I watched that clip, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know. And and here it's coming from literally, you know, you know, if there's anybody that I love to hear speak, it's this guy. You know, I just I think he's great, you know. Um, he's my my favorite, you could say. And yet it's like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, oh, oh my gosh, and he can't even see it. It's obvious, you know. And yet, you know, he's a good man, a very good man. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's anything that's like um so much an accusation. Now, now the a lot of the a lot of the um the uh, evangelicals and the, the other Christian communities have been looking at Mormonism and saying this for like quite a while. They've been saying like, you guys are so rigid. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of your members are just, just dying under this, you know, and yet, you know, as, 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 as LDS people, you know, it's like at the same time, a lot of the same people are saying, well, oh, but you guys are good people. Like, if we're going to hire somebody to be the next VP, we're probably going to hire a Mormon because <laughs> that's right. Honest, true, trustworthy, you know, yeah. like, you know, the guy who's, you know, cheating on his wife is also going to, you know, embezzle money. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a, um, so it's, it's, it's like this high standard um, has made the world respect, you know, uh, Mormons. Um, because of the they live clean lives same with um seventh day Adventists. 
um, tend to tend to have a more rigid um, view. They they tend to live. Um, I've at least from my few observations, they they tend to be more. Um, and I could listen a few, list a few other sects that are, um, you know, but it's not the place to go when you're just looking for Jesus and you're 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 a total mess and you can't quite live the standard yet and you've tried and you've prayed, you know, it's like um, yeah, and you and your plan is to go slow. Um, I'll just keep living with the girl, um, you know. So it takes you ten years before you're like we get married. Um, I'll get off LSD eventually, but I'm in no hurry. Um, and, and like, um, well, this may not be the place that has that much patience for you. You know, I'll start wearing church clothes eventually. And, you know, just culturally, you're not fitting um, just like you would in public school. Um, you know, hey, I'm just going to take whatever classes I want, then I'm going to go home. Well, you can actually do that, but they're not going to tell you that. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to cherry pick and have, and I'll only stay for half the, half the lecture. Well, we got rules. We have, you can't just wander in and out. Why? When I go to conferences, adult conferences, people say, oh, yeah, I've got something else to do. Um, no, you haven't asked for a potty break. And so that, that regiment helps maintain ma management of class. I, I get it. But it, it is what it is. And it may not fit everybody. <laughs> like, we assume this will fit everybody. No, it'll fit the masses. But there's some people who have ADHD. They need to move. Oh, we can't accommodate that movement. Um, we will talk about kinetic learners, but we really still can't accommodate that. We don't know how to teach math using body movement. Um, those, but but we'll we'll talk about how important it is to match people up with their learning styles. But we, we we're still back to book learning. This is and it's because we're limited as teachers, so we can talk all day and night about how um, people learn differently. But actually accommodating those, I'm sorry, we will strive to, but we just don't. And, and we know that tests are stupid, but we're still going to have to do tests because we're in the system where, you know, so they, a lot of stuff they do, they know is stupid, but they're still going to do it. So they can't accommodate that. And, and, and do you think um, churches are any different? No, no, no. They have to do things for a sense of order, a sense of routine, because people expect that. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, so that's so um so that's uh, that's the um yeah and I I actually to give credit I realized I the church is actually really good at helping people to repent. It's like they're very loving and very um but I've I've also found that they don't know what to do with people who can't stop. Um now Alcoholics Anonymous sex offenders anonymous or sex sex and sexaholics anonymous or whatever like like that's a really good place you know and that's why so like i know like the church has incorporated that um as in an attempt to help these people who are so riveted and addicted that they um and it's very effective extremely effective um at least more so than, than other other things but um i was going to say though like i i do feel encouraged well, and so I, I wanted to make clear this, like, I don't, I don't have a sense of, um, if I do have a, a sense of indignation, it's a small one. Um, cause I have, I have a good helping of compassion. It's like, you can't, um, you can't always, um, confess everything all at once. 
you can't be completely transparent all at once. And we haven't come from a world that did that. No. You know, it's like my father's generation, World War II generation, you know, um, he he did not, um, it wasn't a generation of, oh, you know, be be transparent and open and soft. No, and no, level. yeah, parents, parents weren't doing that with their kids. Oh, I've done this. Let me tell you these things I've done sexually. And, and they didn't know... And 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 they were avant-garde in my my father's generation. My father was avant-garde because we had a birds and a bees formal thing. But like um, now they're saying, hey, parents, you can't just do a birds and bees talk once. You need to keep this as an ongoing conversation. My father's generation like, oh, I can't do it. I can do it once. You, do you know what I grew up with? Um, hey, see what the cows are doing? That's what people do. That's it. That's what you're... Your, your, your father said to you, oh, my goodness, that you can actually then now talk about intimacy one time. Um, Dad, you did so good. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, but that's all. I, I can't engage. My dad actually could engage. Um, and but, but he had to kind of push through that. But he was unusual because my dad's generation... Um, and, and so Jonathan and I, of course, are using a parable of understanding or a, a, a parallel why it's hard for people who have not been trained in being fully transparent, how to have difficult conversations like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, and um, still be able to hold it together um, and, and know what boundaries are and so forth and do it with compassion rather than like, like Jonathan, like I got a little righteous anger, but I got compassion, which Jonathan does. That's what I love about him is like, he's got compassion for the institution, for the church, as do I. Um, and yet we're not stopped. We're like, okay, we're the generation. What Jonathan and I are doing, uh, 50 years from now, people will be able to, will, will have learned how to do that because they'll they'll have to of necessity and the institutions will start supporting that. No, tell us how you really feel. They won't be afraid of it because they would be afraid of how I really feel. Like, no, we can handle that. But, but that would be a collective effort or be kind of a cultural shift where people could be very transparent. But we do have a generation, not all of them, but a generation that's kind of opposite. So we have these gen the younger generations like, I need a safe space. They're talking, but <laughs> they're like going to a worse place than, than, than their grandfather. Like, I, can, I have to have a safe place. Don't talk about that. It's hurting me. But there's another side who's like, come on, let's, let's talk real. All right, here's, here's, here's my laundry list of who I am. And so those two forces are in play right now, and we'll give birth to what, you know, I'm all for the one that gives birth to, let's be a lot more transparent. Let's, um, you know, Elder Oak says, we don't, um, we don't give, um, we don't, what did he say? We don't give apologies, we don't seek them. I get it. So an institution doesn't want to have, have to do, do this game, but it's like, that actually expresses kind of like, we don't want all eyes on our things okay just you're in or out and and and, and maintaining that coherence um is no longer going to be viable that's the only reason it's going to change it's just it's just not working and and my my views won't change it jonathan's views won't change it but what will change it is when the institution fails, all the institutions will fail. Prophecies will fail. You don't have to feel bad about that. First, First Corinthians 13 says, the only thing that's going to actually work on earth 
is charity, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, love unfeigned. In other words, transparent, humble. Okay, here's what I'm dealing with. And, and yeah, I'm not qualified to set up organizations like that. Only Jesus could. Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, and, and who knows what will happen, too. Evolve is another word that comes to my mind, but it has an end. So Joseph said, you know, like everything that has a beginning is going to have an end. That which does not have a beginning will not have an end. So it's like, did the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have a beginning? Yep. Had yep. a beginning. There was a date. Yep. Yep. No, will it have an end? Well, you know, yeah, and we can hope that, that you know that it'll evolve into something better, something higher. It'll that the end of one thing will be the beginning of something better for sure. That, but there will be people who will who will fall who fall because they just can't handle it. Kind of like you're talking about. It's like, what if we were to be totally transparent tomorrow? Well, vast droves would would leave the the Mormon yeah. church. Even if um, you're speaking the truth, even, even even if it's part of their life, they do not want to be part yeah. of that fully transparent. Just like I could I could get that my grandfather, like, no, if we're going to talk this freely about sex, I, I, I get why we're doing and I can see why we're doing and I can see we're trying to do it in the right spirit, but I, I cannot abide it. My I did not grow up this way. I grew up rigid. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to die. There's going to be another generation who can talk so freely um, and have difficult conversations with people and not just lose sleep, lose their mind. And we're, we're limited as humans. Um, and that's what we have to understand our limitations, what, what we can do within one generation. And so some, some humans are nimble, so they can actually be forerunners. They can do stuff that will be done later, but others are not, they're not built that way. They're good at um, maintaining what was, um, with little bit of change, not a huge amount of change. Otherwise, the center will break. And of course, that's what people like you and I, oh, good, <laughs> what? Good, let the center break. But Jonathan and I don't have, Jesus doesn't put um, wrecking balls in our hands because he has no intention for us to save any church or any people. He's gonna do it. Truth is marching, Jesus is coming for those organizations. We didn't send Jesus. The truth comes and finally disrupts. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. Well, and I have this sense that um, for those of us who maybe long for for some of these changes, we we can also like look forward with gratitude to what's coming and be patient in the sense of, and we can be, we can, we can do our best in our personal lives to live by the standard that we hope will be adopted in time. Um, and it's like, I can complain and say, well, I wish that, you know, uh, that this church or that, you know, that the Catholics have a very similar problem, you know, with the papacy and the cardinals and everybody else. It's very rigid, very, you know, and a very much, a, you know, so they have a very similar problem. Yeah, I can uh, see Jonathan going like to the speaker that he loves. Here's what I'd like you to say. Um, if you've ever gone in the ditch, um, even once, um, sexually, just, and, and you can do it kind of euphemistically, but everybody knows what you're talking about. Say it, say it, we'll forgive you. Everyone will forgive you, but understand, I know some people are going to use that as permission. <laughs> of course they are. Everybody's looking for some permission, um, but we got to go there because there's a need 
but Jonathan would say, that's my opinion. And he would not force this guy, but that's, that's the kind of thing. And so Jonathan could say, um, here's a world I'd like to live in where one of my favorite speakers says this, just on the front part of your talk, then say the same talk. And he'd like, nope, I could give the same talk I've given before because of, and, and he would say, I would like, in fact, if he privately talks to Jonathan, he, he, I, I could imagine this, Jonathan, I would like to do exactly what you're talking about. But you know how teachers are enmeshed within a network? So am I. Um, there are things that you don't have eyes to see, that we are human and we have disagreements, and then we have to resolve those and put on what everybody does, like in a family. Um, grandma's coming. Let's look like we're a happy family. Okay, so everybody gets it. Okay, when grandma's gone, now we pull out of the uh, pull out the knives. <laughs> um, why not just show grandma? Why not be transparent? Um, because grandma will judge it. She won't know. We're trying to be nice to grandma, actually, here, guys. This is a kindness because we're kind of a rollicking family. We, we're like the Irish. Oh, we just talk nasty to each other. This is what our culture is. But grandma's coming. Okay. Oh, let's talk nice to each other. And so, yeah, I can imagine you having that conversation with the general authority. The general authority has trust in you. And he becomes transparent. But he says, Jonathan, I, I see what you want but I can't even do it myself. That's got to be Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, any thoughts there, Jonathan? Yeah, so, so um, well, and it'll be interesting. So all we're really talking about is, is, um, is it's like we, we see that the need has become very, very blatant. It's like, you know, we don't live in the time anymore where it's like a few people are not quite living up. You know, but the majority are, are staying in the straight and narrow. It's like, no, those days are long, long past. Yeah. It's like, you know, children from the time they're young are bombarded with images and oh, different yeah. things. It's like, we live in a time where everybody's in the ditch, you yeah. know, except for, a you know, a very few, you know, and the ones who are doing well, I think within the church are the ones who are repenting. You know, it's like it's like the ones who, you know, they realize, man, I got a problem. And, you know, they go talk to their bishop or whatever. And I'm thinking about trying to think about other organizations, other, you know, it's like, I guess if you're a Catholic, you go to confession. And you know, if you're, you, if you're an alcoholic, you attend your meetings. You, yeah. If you're an alcoholic, you attend your meetings. And, it's and like you those stay are with the your partner. Yeah. You're um, your accountability partner. You stay in contact and you, you make amends. Yeah. Those are the people who are finding righteousness. Those are the ones that are finding the atonement. Those are the ones that are finding Jesus Christ are the ones who are, it's, it's the, I, to me, it's, it's a major big part of repentance is this confession thing. It's like this desire to talk about it. Now I know that it's like, it doesn't happen overnight. Like, like um, I talk freely now about the fact that when I was a young man, I had a pornography problem. But I remember there were years. I mean, I remember I, I went to the bishop when I was 15, had a discussion, you know, and uh, my life totally changed, like almost overnight. I was given what felt to me like superhuman strength. I was still tempted, but somehow I was able to resist and like things went better. Oh, so much better after that. It was so good. Um, but it took me, I think I was, it took me almost a decade before I ever said anything to anybody but that one bishop 
So like, I totally get like, it takes time to where you can look back in your life and go, Oh, it wasn't such a big deal. Like, you know, it's like, but when you're still so close to it, it's only been two years. It's only been five years. I still feel ashamed and it takes, you know, well, actually I didn't feel ashamed, but it took me a while to get to where I could be like, Oh yeah, it was a part of my life. I got through it, you know? Um, and, and, um, so, so going forward, it's like, it's like, um, talking about, and that's why I think it kind of, I, I was like, oh, wow, this really needs to change. Like, as I realized within the church, it's like, it's like, oh, wow, this really needs to change because I realized it's like the church as a whole has still not gotten to that place where they finally eased up enough to be able to be like, Hey, let's talk about it. And it was like, it was like, and I've come to realize how much, how much freer I feel in being able to just talk about it. So I'll tell you an experience. And, and what I kind of really kind of wonder is it's like, I wonder if the next phase needs to be, and I wonder, you know, you talked about your black sheep prophecy. It's like, I kind of wonder if that's why we need some black sheep, some people who've done so much crap in their past that it's like, that it's like, as they're coming into, you know, whether it's the LDS church or any religious organization, it's like, it's like, oh, I couldn't even try to cover, you know, it'd be like trying right. to cover an elephant. Yeah. All of a sudden, most people in the church um, who are sinners, they're like Joseph Smith. Oh, I thought I was doing dark stuff. Well, yeah, we thought so too. But this person who just came in, oh my goodness, yeah. now we all look like Joseph Smith who confessed. Yeah, he was a little transparent. I mean, euphemistically. Yeah, I I did the indiscretions that are associated with youth, but no one needs to think that I did anything big or whatever. And so we um, we grow up. Now in we need somebody who's like, oh no, yeah, yeah. I I had the indiscretions of youth, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's like, right. and they they went into my forties. Yeah, you know, and then I yeah, met Jesus. That's, <laughs> yeah, know, that's right. Yeah, they they oh. went they went places that. Uh, would just horrify you. Um, and but I found Jesus and he even saves people like me. You're like, oh wow. So um and that uh yeah you're right Jonathan that um uh um well a thought I wanted to share um like oh yeah go ahead go ahead with what you were saying. What I have a sense too is like we've actually already had that. Like and the church very much reveres these people. I sent you that link with the girl with oh, the yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, well, they're, they're church that respects in. that. That's they right. They love. Yeah. So I sent Greg a, a link with a girl who came into the church and, and um, God told her to move to Utah, which she in, in New York, the church members accepted her fine. But when she came to Utah, it was like, you know, like she's a pretty girl. And it's like nobody would date her. Nobody would, you know, because she had tattoos because we're also holy in Utah. Anyways, but the point being is, is, um, is so the church has always had that they've always respected the the prodigal son that's come back it's just here's the here's the issue is that what what has been put forth if not in words but in 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 is oh yes yes we love the black sheep who come back but none of us <laughs> none of us no nope. well, in fact we're going to have people write ensign articles about us that show all of our good points. Yeah. None of and, us. That's right. None of us. And, you know, and none of the leaders. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, an, oh, yeah, now and then, you know, a black sheep will come in and he'll become a bishop or a state president, but never a general authority. Yeah. And of no. course, that's a big that's a big that's a big pot rattle ready to burst because it's yeah. like, you know, someday the exposés are coming. Yeah. It's like where we're going to find out that so and so did such and such. But but let me just finish the thought and then I'll turn it back. So so um, I have this sense of what's really needed is it's like we've got to let go to the spirit because I promise you it's like if we stop planning everything out. The spirit will prompt somebody in a position of authority who is okay with talking about, you know, mistakes they made in their youth. I promise you, if you stop planning your talks and you let God just tell you what to say in the moment when you're given the talk, somebody is going to be prompted to talk about what they did so that they can help other people who've had the same problem. I promise you, because that's what Jesus does. I want to share this last story and then I'll turn it back. So I remember I was in my twenties and it was a long time ago. I was, I was giving a priesthood lesson. Um, it was a special, it was actually a special meeting. I don't want to go into the details of all of it, but I, I was, I was, I was asked to give this lesson and I got up, I had a whole lesson prepared. I got up in front of this large group of men and the spirit told me you're not going to give that lesson i want you to talk about your early sexual improprieties and i remember at the time so I, at this point you know besides the bishop there was maybe like one other person i had shared that with and i remember just like <laughs> like what but like, I knew it was God's voice. Like I knew his voice well enough. And I was just like, and I just like, I literally just stood there in silence for like, I don't know how long. And everybody's like looking around looking at me and like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? And then finally I just looked at, I said, look, God's telling me not to share the lesson I prepared. And I'm supposed to share something that, Many of you, if you choose to, can use to, to either think ill of me or to uh, to backbite or say bad things about me. But I, I have to say it because God's telling me to. And then I just, I came out. I just said, look, now I say it all the time. It seems so silly now that I had such a problem. It's like, it's like oh, oh, you had problems with pornography. Like, like, okay, you and like almost every other, you know, yeah. young man, on the, you know, in the world right now is having problems. It's like, but, you know, at the time, it, nobody was talking about it. So, so I remember like I just, so I just started in and I just explained it, you know, and it went very, very well. But that was the beginning of me kind of opening up, you know, about this dumb problem I had when I was a young man. But the point is, is it's like, I have this feeling if... You know, there's there's going to come a time, I don't know how soon, when the church that we came out of is going to go back to, you know what, we're going to let the Spirit decide. And what's going to happen is that it's going to be like a powder keg. Things are going to explode. At least I hope it goes that way. Because if it goes rigid, more and more rigid, I just, I don't see how that's going to solve some of the problems we're talking about. 
it's like, but if we can let go and, and, um, and I don't know what the message is for those listening who didn't come from our faith structure, but I know this, when the spirit, when we allow the spirit to move, it, it brings, uh, it brings good things. And I think it brings us to more and more be transparent and talk about the things that are hard to talk about and why, what's the reason this is the last part because it helps other people and it doesn't help other people when we pretend that we've been better than we've really been. Yeah. Or that that's a fake. That's a Facebook energy. That's um, that's killing people right now. I mean, if you want to see the extreme uh, of, of that energy that you're speaking of is where people aren't fully transparent. They, they create a, a Facebook life and it hurts other people because they, you know, it's like every house they go into is meticulous. Well, no, that's just Facebook. That's what um, people see and, and want to show. And they want to show that because that's what's valued and they want to be valued. And that's normal. It's human. Uh, uh, but it also then hurts other people. Uh, oh, our vacation didn't go like that. Oh, we never get to go on vacations like that. Jesus must not love us enough. And then they they hide in their shame rather than going like, it was a vacation from hell. And then there's people like, oh, so I didn't miss out. <laughs> right. And then they, they have compassion. Oh, I'm sorry for that family rather than envious. But um, Jonathan, I, I made notes as you were speaking because Jesus said, add that to the black sheep prophecy. White sheep... Because uh, the black sheep prophecy prophesies that the first shall be last, the last shall be first. That is that um, the last people that you'd see at church, those people that are outcast misfits, God will come into their life and they will have charity for those who are in the formal church. They say they need us. They need um, a, a revival is what the term would be used in a Protestant church. That church needs a revival. The people of that church, because they, they, they're coming for the people. And they will come, uh, um, and maybe they even hated the church, and maybe they still do, but God's calling them like he called other prophets who are like, I don't want to go there to Nineveh, like, go. And then they will go with, with compassion, and they will love on the people who don't love them. Like, I know you guys don't like people with tattoos and who smell like smoke like me, but God loves you, and I'm brought here. Um, and so that's the black sheep prophecy. But uh, Jesus just told me also it'll involve people who are white sheep who are possessed by his spirit and they will start sharing black sheep stories. Oh, we turns out we had a black sheep in our midst. Of course, people say, I think we're all black sheep, Greg. Right. Okay. Let's hear your stories. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to now go into my white sheep um, turtle shell. Right. And so that's what we're talking about is, we're all black sheep, but this parable is meant for me to understand that there's going to be this um, compassion he will pour down, and the last people you thought you'd see at church are coming back, but what they're drawn by is, is charity, just as the um, righteous Nephites would, would go back to the Lamanites who wanted to kill them and bring that charity um, and, and try to redeem them, and, and the white sheep would say, we don't need redeeming. Um, we've got the only true church upon the face of the earth. We've got it all locked down. Like, no, that actually is your problem. That's why we're here. Um, and then, um, so that was one thing um, 
that I took from what you were talking about. Uh, the other thought was, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to share. Well, I, I will anyway, because I just want to get it out. Um, if I could go back to my younger self, um, when I came, I was like 13, 14, and I go talk to the bishop about things that um, young men might get involved in. Um, I, um, starting with the word masturbation, um, <laughs> just to make sure people like, well, I thought he was transparent. Oh, I can be way more transparent. Um, but people um, aren't as comfortable with talking about that as I am. So don't get me started. But if I could go back, and if the church said, can you go back? And um, what did little Greg need? What did Greg need when he's going to bishop? A little manual that says, here's how you confess your sins. I didn't have that. Like, okay, I was supposed to go talk to the bishop. Well, how much should I share with him? How much detail? Um, does he want to run a running description and so forth? And you just left like, okay. So I would be able to help that little Greg and say, okay, so I made you this manual. I'm, I'm, I'm back from the, the future and um, I'm coming back. And did this manual will help you? I just made little bullet points. When you go talk to the bishop, first speak general. He may ask specific. Here's how you'd answer that. Bop, 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 bop. And, and, I, and like, hey, Greg, where'd you get this? I had to make it up. Oh, so in 2023, they still don't have a manual like this? No. Can you imagine that? They're asking you to do something you've never done before. Go confess to the bishop. They don't even tell you what that looks like. Well, it's confessing. It's telling what you did. That's like going for a job interview and going, well, just tell them who you are. No, you go in there with a plan because they're going to ask you, what's your greatest weakness? Um, I'm human. No, don't say that. Greg, that sounds funny, but it's actually true. But that's not what they're looking for. All right. So what are they looking for? So this poor young person wasn't trained at home how to confess. No, I don't. This is a weird confession thing. So I'm just giving that as an example because it's just the tip of the iceberg. Guys, God bless us. We need some more informal um, people who are comfortable. The bishop, like, hey, I know you've never done this before, and I know you don't have a manual because the church doesn't have a manual for this. So let me kind of give you a little hint here. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. And that bishop, like, no, if I'm casual like that, then he'll think, oh, apparently it's okay. I'll just do whatever I want as a youth. No, there's danger in that. When he comes in here, I'm going to spout hellfire and damnation combined with a little bit of love. That'll, that'll help, Greg. Will it? Is that the best thing? Um, is that what they're going to do 100 years from now? I guarantee you they're not. It's not like, they're just, you know, and, and of course, we don't have to wait 100 years. Jonathan's right. We've come to the time, the hinge point in history. It's breaking. And it's good. And like, well, well, well what should we do? Uh, like, be a little more transparent. Have you ever heard of manuals? You do that in your professional work. They're called little prompts. You know, you help people do things that are hard to do by maybe even making a movie. Like, hey, Greg, watch this movie. This is somebody who, who's doing a great confessional. A little bit, not too much. Um, oh, okay, because I may be on the spectrum. Because the next thing you know, I may be telling the bishop about every single instance. And he'll be like, why is this kid telling me this? Because you provided no guidance. I'm just trying to make sure that my all oh, my sins are covered. If I've got to confess, I want to confess everything. Oh, that's a, he's an idiot. 
Oh, all the other kids tried to tell as little as possible. And you're trying to, I get, you're trying to cover your sins. So, but do you guys have accommodations for people who are on the spectrum who, when you literally say, confess all your sins, um, you know, of this nature, you want them all. And why is that not important? You know, oh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, and so God bless the bishop. Um, I'm on the, whatever spectrum I'm on, I can make it hard for everybody. Like, well, what do you want? Um, but that's not my intent. <laughs> my intent and, and Jesus's intent. I don't want to make it harder. Jesus says the way is easy. Well, let me tell you what, whatever that year was, that was hard. People say, well, that's good for you. No, <laughs> it's good to exercise hard, but not when you're trying to do something like confess your sin for the first time. Let's have it be a pretty good experience. Well, did he abuse you? No. <laughs> I'm talking about, hey, feeling good and saying, I'm going to do this some more. I want to confess some more stuff. Oh, well, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> Why not? You know, I'm not like the, I, I'm not going to commit this sin again and again. Let's, let's, let's get good at this. Like, like an alcoholic who goes, yep, I went off the, the wagon. They don't come out feel, or go into that. Like, Oh, everybody's going to judge me. I don't know what to say. Hey, they just say, tell your story. Okay. Well, I went off the wagon, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. We love you, Greg. Keep trying, you know? All right. And so anyhow, Jonathan, enough of that, but I, it, it's my own personal experience is why I'm kind of on fire about that. I can still like, oh my goodness, I hate walking that awkward road, but that's the time you are in history because <laughs> I can see the future. Like, I wish I would have had that, but you know, my dad would have wished that he had grown up with better training in the church or in culture to talk about things like masturbation, talk freely with his sons, but which he finally did. I mean, it took him quite a while. I was 18. And then we started getting conversational because he knew, because he had that problem too, like almost all young men. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't damn you to hell. And it doesn't, it can be a conversation you can learn. So the first time, yeah, the awkward second time, third time, but that was just improv. Come on church. Uh, we can, we can do better, but can we? Um, the answer is yes. My hope is yes, but only what Jonathan's saying. We have to loosen up on all that, like let the spirit, and it's dangerous, I'd agree, um, to let general authorities just get rid of the teleprompters. Greg does it. Greg's not even trained in this stuff. Jesus is TV, here I go. And let's just see what happens. But anyways, only do it if Jesus tells you to do general authorities. That's what I tell people on Jesus TV. Oh, don't do that. Whatever I just told you to do, don't do that unless Jesus tells you to do it. There, I'm absolved. <laughs> You're trying to tell the church what to do. No, I'm not. I told them, don't do it unless Jesus tell, tells you to do it. But, okay, go, I, that's it. I'm out. Jonathan, you go ahead and have the last word. I'll have the last word then. So, um, so yeah. I am. I really love that we talked about this. Um, you know, as, as we're talking about it, I was realizing how, how almost like a joyful feeling, how joyful it makes me feel. I think it's one of my very favorite subjects is repentance. Um, because it's, it's so, uh, 
everything good in my life has come through this difficult process we're talking about that has become beautiful to me. Being able to talk about your sins is so good. And of course, when anytime you have a sin that's active in your life, it's like, yeah, you're not going to want to tell that across any sort of pulpit. You need to talk to somebody privately who's a friend, you know, maybe a group like a, you know, a, an addiction group or something. It's like, obviously, that's obvious. It takes time to get to where, you know, you, you feel okay. You know, it's like it's enough in the past that you feel like you can, you know, just say something. And um, But I do look forward. Um, I look forward to, um, in time, um, uh, I love the idea of, you know, in, in all our churches, whether you're a Baptist, a Catholic, a, you know, a Pentecostal, it's like, I can picture people sitting down together, small groups, two people, three people, four people, you know, eventually maybe um, in, you know, in wherein it's appropriate. I've also seen it done inappropriately where it's, it's, you can feel it's not right. Someone's telling something over the pulpit they should not be talking about, but it, where it gets to where we get to where we can, or they do it in such a way that it's gratuitous or that it's too much. You know, it's like the spirit has to guide, but I can picture this world where it's like, and this love, you know, I can picture someone instead of like, well, you know, if you fall out, shame on you, you know, it, more like, you know, someone comes, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it's like, it just got out of hand, you know, like I I, I went on this date and it happened, oh, you know, and, and someone's like, oh, wow, well, that's interesting, you know, what? What do you think happened? You know, it's like, was there, you know, like the curiosity goes a long way. Like, like, it's like, instead of it being like, you know, oh, that's so bad. It's like, it's like, huh, well, okay, well, you know, I guess we gotta figure out what we're going to do now. You know, it's like, I can picture that and yeah. I can have this, I can feel this healing coming and I yeah. look forward, I'll make that my last comment. I can feel a healing coming. And what does it bring? It's going to bring the lofty low. All the people who it looks like they're so good, it's going to bring them right down. And the people who are low, it's going to bring them up. The hills will be abased and the valleys will be exalted. I'll, I'll leave Matt as my last comment. And we'll be on a new vacation, a good one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. All right. All right.